Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Women's Integrative Summit on Health and Wellness, the Wishwell Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. For some of us, it is spring break, so this week is actually our spring break week. I am super grateful to take a couple of days off from my regular job, although I'm still rounding in the hospital. It still is a nice break to not have to check in at work and spend a little bit of quality time with my family. This week, we decided not to go anywhere. We are such last-minute planners, and when it comes to vacation and things like that, we thought it'd be really cool to maybe do a road trip or go somewhere, and then when it got down to it, we just didn't plan anything, and which worked out fine. It started to rain the first couple of days of spring break, and it's supposed to be really nice the rest of the week, so we'll see what we end up doing. I'm pretty active, and so um, so is my husband and, and our son, so we went to run bleachers, and we actually just got home from running bleachers at the local high school, which was super fun, and unbelievable, they ran up and down 40 bleachers. I had already worked out prior, and so I only did 20, so my workout was half of theirs, and It's super fun to watch them do the bleachers and do the laps around the track. So um, hopefully you all are getting some sort of movement in and enjoying whatever time you have if you do have spring break this week. So without further ado, I would like for you all to meet our guest for this episode. It is number 62, Individual and Corporate Mental Wellness with Dr. Georgina Isbell. She is a board-certified psychiatrist who shares her thoughts on individual and corporate mental wellness. She recounts taking a radical sabbatical to learn how to better take care of herself and her patients. She now practices 90 minutes of self-care daily and also encourages her family as well. She created her own business from the ground up via reverse engineering, and now she helps other practices and corporations in the field of wellness. Her advice to others is to reverse engineer everything, and we'll definitely chat about that on this week's episode. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. You can find out more info about Dr. Isbell at Georgina Isbell, MD, and at her website, www.ledlifellc.com. It's L-E-D Life LLC. I will post her full bio on our blog, wishwell.health.blog. You can also head on over to our Instagram page, wishwell.health, and leave me a comment. And if you do listen on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate leaving me a rating and review. And I look forward to chatting with you all again soon. Take care. Thank you.
everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishful Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Virginia Isbell. She is a board-certified psychiatrist, speaker, and author who believes there is a cure for cancer of the soul and enjoys combining the sacred with the scientific. I absolutely love that phrase. I'm super excited to have you here on this podcast. So welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Michelle. I appreciate that. I am doing very well. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, your word for health and wellness for today's podcast is individual and corporate mental wellness. And I love that. And we spoke a little bit before we started recording about your journey. And I would love to have you share with our listeners how you got into this. So share away. Thank you. So Basically, I think everyone has a story inside of them. I actually think everyone has a book inside of them as well. Um, And mine kind of started with a book several years ago. Um, Back in 2015, I really had to stop and take a pause and and look at how things were going with my life. You know, I had worked through medical school residency, uh, gotten a corporate position uh, in a, you know, just a renowned uh, area in the Washington, D.C., and I thought that was just the pinnacle of success for me um, at that time, but I really felt like things were just not going as well as I wanted them to, and I think that the, the, the impetus basically came one day when I was sitting with a patient, and this had been the second time that he had rescheduled uh, in order to see me, um, because previously I'd had to, you know, have someone call him at home or have someone call him en route and say, hey, Dr. Isbell is going to have to, to leave work um, for, you know, a medical emergency, and then she'll, she'll have to reschedule you. And so as this was the second time that this gentleman was seeing me in office after having rescheduled, when the nurse came na- tapping on the door in the middle of our, our, our visit, um, he was very, very kind and gave me a very understanding look, but I was exasperated on the inside. And basically uh, what was happening is that my son, who has a diagnosis of autism, um, was getting our at that time, twice weekly call to my office to let me know that he was either having a behavioral concern or there was a medical concern. My son uh, had four neurosurgeries uh, before his first birthday, uh, had a history of seizures, was on phenobarbital, um, had adrenal insufficiency, so was on life-sustaining doses of cortisol three times a day just to stay alive. And uh, it it was very telling and this was uh, back in 2015. Uh, he was uh, he was still a little tot, but had gotten to the place where we felt like he was fairly medically stable. But medically stable still meant I was getting calls twice a week because, you know, if you have a kid who has had those kinds of issues, if he shows any sign of uh, almost a sneeze, <laughs> I was mm-hmm. getting a call to say, "Hey, can you come out and make sure he's okay?" You know, the nurse is just a little concerned and and wants to make sure that he gets to see his PCP or whatever specialist he was seeing at that time, one of 13. Um, but that wow. was the day that I just said, you know what, this is not going to work. I can't drive to DC from Maryland, you know, four days a week at that time. And two of the four days have to go an hour back or an hour and a half, depending on traffic back into Maryland um, to pick up my son and make sure that I could help him. And he was missing school. I was missing work. My patients were missing out on me. And I felt like I was doing a disservice to everyone. So I basically said, something's got to give. And my husband and I decided that we were going to live off of less. We basically started from that moment, from that day, almost trying to live off of half of our income, um, a half to three quarters of our income so that I could gradually phase myself out of work 
and then start to work from home. And I said, well, you know what? One of the things that kind of got me in this mess <laughs> of being pulled into many directions and being burned out at that point, I, I, I was, I was seeing very chronically ill patients um, with, with significant mental illness. I was working in a prison part-time. I was working in a homeless shelter um, a day out of the week, half time, half time at one shelter in the morning. And I go to a different shelter in the evening. And I was like, this is just not going to work. I want to work with my patients, but I'm doing them a disservice. I'm doing myself a disservice. And so I took, you know, a radical sabbatical, if you will. And I took a month off and said, you know what, I'm going to learn how to take care of myself and I'm going to learn how to better care for my patients. And that's where my mini self-care revolution started. Um, And shortly thereafter, I started the intentional practice of getting 90 minutes of self-care every day. I encourage my family to do that. I encourage my patients to do that. We reverse engineered our practice so that we looked at what looks good for our family and for our patients and then created our business from the ground up in order to do that. And now I go out and show other organizations or other entrepreneurs how to do the exact same thing. What was that journey like for you? I mean, what was your self-care routine? What was your individual wellness, like you said, as your phrase for health and wellness? What was that like for you before you decided to do this? Gosh, it was very piecemeal. It was very chaotic. Um, And it was what most people probably think of when they think of self-care. You know, I was going and getting a massage every month or every other month. You know, I think I had a subscription to a place and, and I would go and and do that or, or get a manicure or a pedicure or something like that. Um, Few and far between, but I I would do it. And in terms of self-care, you know, I I might um, take, I don't know, a couple of minutes uh, early in the morning or late in the afternoon or in the evening after the kids had gone to bed and spend some time basically reading a book or doing a puzzle or doing some type of a craft. And that that was about it. That was the traditional thing that I was doing before this happened, before I, I basically took some time off. When I came back to my practice and again, doing some part-time work in the corporate world, I, I said to myself, we're going to have to figure this 90 minutes of self-care out. And it can't be, I can't take a massage. I can't go get a massage in the middle of my patient care day, right? I can't stop everything. Don't we wish we pedicure. could sometimes? <laughs> Don't we wish we could, right? Um, I wish we could. But I, I said, well, how can I, how can I bring that to my office? How can I bring the spa to my office? How can I, I, I do this virtual wellness journey? And that's when we started doing some basic things then that have just kind of extended into some of the things that we're, we're in the process of doing now, but small things like time tracking and time blocking and looking to see, okay, where can I intentionally carve out time in my day to make sure that my cup is full so that I have something to pour into other people. And so, you know, I'll just give you a typical 90 minute of self-care day. So I usually will get up before most of the folks in my house. And for the first 15 minutes or so, I'm doing some type of a devotional or or meditation or motivational um, exercise for myself, right? So that's 15 minutes right there. And then after my breakfast and I start either doing helping with e-learning or or sometimes I'll see patients depending on the day. After that, somewhere in that middle of the day range, uh, mid-morning, I'm going to take an additional 15 minutes to do something simple. It could be making a cup of tea, which is one of my favorite self-care activities. Um, It could be taking time to go and do some kind of a fun brain activity on, um, on my computer, or on my phone. Um, usually I try to do things that don't involve electronics, but I'm doing something that's going to take the time for me to intentionally 
pause. So that's usually more often something like we have a hammock on our balcony. I will go out, even if it's cold <laughs> outside and just sit on my hammock or lay on my hammock and just look at the stars and play those little games that we kids do, like trying to figure out which, what the cloud looks like, you know, something really simple and, and sometimes very childish. Um, I make a very nice ritual. I, you know, it's not English tea time fully um, or an Ethiopian coffee ritual, but I do take it as much as I can to the max when I'm having tea. Everything from taking the time to select which tea I'm going to have, smelling the tea bag, you know, soaking the tea in the water, just kind of steeping it, um, pulling it out, smelling the fragrance um, and the aroma of the tea, um, taking a, that nice first sip, you know, just sitting there with my eyes closed and just enjoying that tea. So again, I can, I can make a cup of tea last at least 15 minutes sometimes half an hour if I can refresh it, right? Um, so that's another 15 minutes right there. So, so far I've got 30 minutes before noon. Lunchtime, I'm doing something very, again, intentional. And usually it's with my family because like I said, we reverse engineered everything. I don't see patients between 11.15 and 1. Usually there's some kind of a lunch break in there, but now because that's my son's e-learning time when he's free for his lunch. And so my entire family, since we're all home, we eat lunch together. And we sit and we either have high-low, which is talking about the high of the day for how things are going or the low of the day. And then we'll do that again at dinner time. And just, you know, business is off the table, school is off the table, work is off the table. Those things, there's pretty strict boundaries. No electronics are at the table when we're having this, this quiet family time. And that's an example of a self-care activity that does not have to be alone. When I go and I talk to corporations, I talk, to, I talk about self-care not being alone. Yeah, it can be at the, you know, getting your, your pedicure by yourself, but guess what? Someone's giving you that pedicure or someone's giving you that manicure or someone's giving you the massage. So you're not completely alone, even in those kinds of quote unquote, you know, traditional self-care activities, but sitting and having that, that intentional family time where I'm engaging in communication with my family to really find out what's going on in their world, truly what's going on in the world, apart from their activities, apart from the things that they're doing, I want to learn more about how they're being. And I want to share more about how I'm being and how I'm becoming um, more true to myself. So at, by this time, if I take a half an hour lunch and spend this intentional time with them, we're up to an hour of self-care. So the rest of the day, I might get in another, you know, 20 minutes of exercise. I might get in an additional 10 minutes of another coffee break or a tea break while I'm sitting down and being very intentional, not looking at the computer, not multitasking, not doing a secondary activity. And definitely, I would say, again, by either dinner time or early evening time, I've definitely got that 90 minutes of self-care in. What you're describing sounds to me very much like mindfulness, like you know, being present in all that you do, being intentional. So would you say that this is, you know, people, a lot of people don't like the word mindfulness or it sounds really vague. And so is this, would you consider this um, mindfulness, uh, like a mindfulness practice? It can, it definitely can be an example of a mindfulness practice. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely like using that term being present or mm -hmm. being fully available um, because there, there are there are definitely times when you can go through every single one of those activities that I just mentioned, and you could have someone saying, well, yeah, I'm being mindful of that, or I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention. Um, I'm really here. I'm listening to you, but I, I will even, you know, share one little, little thing when I'm having a conversation with my family or I'm having a conversation with a coworker, or one of my assistants or, or a patient, 
when I'm sitting there and I'm with them, I will tell them, look, I want to be fully present with mm-hmm. you. This mm-hmm. is your, particularly patients. I'll let them know this is your time. This is your time that you've reserved to meet with me. So I'm going to, to the best of my ability, be fully present and fully available. So my phone ringer is off. I'm not answering calls. I'm not checking texts. You know, in this virtual arena, we have the ability to do lots of multitasking because people can only see what we allow them to see. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to be as true to myself as possible. So I, I very much try to limit those things. I definitely some things can eke through if it's a, a major emergency or a crisis. But for the most part, again, my phone is turned off. I'm mindful of that, but Mm -hmm. I'm also, I'm mindful for a purpose. I'm not just mindful for the sake of, oh yeah, I'm thinking about that. And, and I'm trying to, you know, remember to do this. No, I'm also bringing it to mind because I want to put into practice each and every time I meet with someone intentionally that I want to be completely available. I want as much of my brain power as possible to be available to that person at that point in time. I think that's really wonderful because I I think that it's very important and many patients can appreciate when their physicians are fully present for them. But I also think that it goes both ways, right? Because I know me as a physician, I've had plenty of patients who are not mindful of that or not present whenever I'm in the room. So do you ask that of your patients or clients as well? I do. I do. When I'm in person, it's a little easier because, Mm -hmm. you know, I can get closer or maneuver in a way where it can bring them back into the room. And of course, you know, this isn't necessarily including periods of time where patients may dissociate and they, Mm -hmm. they're involuntarily not present. Right. Mm -hmm. So if a person can be voluntarily present, um, you can do certain things in person. And and one of the things I, I, kind of stole this from Chick-fil-A for (laughs) those who that, you know, years and years ago, Chick-fil-A used to have a chicken coop where it was actually a little box with a little piece of pretend wire on it. And they would reward you for putting your cell phone and electronic devices in the quote unquote chicken coop and having an uninterrupted time, an electronics free time with your family. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one, one of the ones near where we lived had that and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. The kids loved it because if they could keep their phones in the chicken coop for the whole duration of the dinner, they got ice cream cone. So (laughs) there was always this, this positive reinforcement. It was very strong, strong. but we had, I had something similar in my office and usually I didn't have to pull it out unless patients did start wandering or getting distracted or, you know, their, their phone is ringing or dinging and they want to go check their text or they want to make a phone call. But I have had one patient who would constantly check his text and never look at me. And I said, you know what, you have to put your phone in the chicken coop. And at the end you get the reward of getting your phone back. And, you know, this was like an iPhone 10 or 11 or something, whatever it was, he wanted his phone back. And so from that moment on, once the phone went in the chicken coop or once the phone went away and sometimes we had a real physical one. And sometimes it was an imaginary chicken coop. Um, then he could come back and engage and be present. So absolutely. I think when we're talking about the virtual world, um, I have to be mindful. And I think this is every provider of when your patients are starting to zone out. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of either see their, uh, their eyes glaze over, or, you know, okay, I see where you're looking at me 90% of the time on the camera. And then I see your eyes kind of skirting around the room, or you're looking past me, or you're obviously playing, you know, 
I don't know, solitaire or text Chris or something on the computer. You're not really paying attention to what I'm saying. And so usually I'll try to do something just to kind of bring them back into the moment. Um, and, you know, everything from from breathing exercises to a relaxation exercise to, you know, a mindfulness in the be, be here in the moment with me exercise. Give me your eyes. You know, I see you, you know, or I, I might even say something simple like that. You know, Mrs. Full Beats, I see you. <laughs> You know, now usually if they're not doing anything random, it's kind of like, oh, really? You see me? I'm so glad. If they're kind of not paying attention to you and they're playing their video game or something, it's kind of like they get the deer in the headlights. Oops, I'm caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just let them, you know, I don't put a judgment on it. I let them decide, you know, what the ICU means. But usually if they need to be seen, you know, if it's a person that feels like they're invisible or they're mm-hmm. having a really hard time saying, I see you. Um, that actually helps and it's comforting. So great little tips. So yeah. I want to transition a little bit. I know we talked a lot about, um, you know, a self-care routine and individual wellness. I want to transition a little bit and have you talk a little bit about corporal mental wellness, because I think for many people, we don't really know what that means. So can mm-hmm. you kind of means and what is it that you do right now in terms, in terms of for corporate mental wellness? Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. Um, I love teaching and I, I really like going into organizations and sharing um, kind of myth busters, if you will, kind of like what we just talked about with the self-care. Um, I've done everything from typical workshops where we've gone into organizations and defined self-care, talked to them about basic individual care that they can do, um, everything from making sure that their, their workspace is calm and, 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 and conducive and decluttered. Um, the productivity can go up between 15 to 33%, just depending on how organized your workspace is for you. Right. Not everybody's workspace has to look. (laughs) (laughs) Not everybody's has to be the same. So what's organized for me may not be what's organized for you. But you know, as long as it's decluttered in my mind, then I'm going to be more productive. As long as I can put my hands on what I need to without feeling the anxiety of 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 living in a cluttered space, whether it's a physical cluttered space or a mental cluttered space, that can be really helpful. So we go in and we talk about productivity um, and and ways to declutter the mind. Because before you can start doing a lot of positive things and putting in some additional things, you know, it's kind of like when you get a house of new furniture. Someone gifted you with a house of new furniture, you got to get rid of the old furniture, right? Because if you just slam it all in there, it's going to look like a, you know, a, a mess. So you have to get rid of the old furniture first, and then you can bring in the new furniture that you really want, right? So we talk to people about ways to declutter their workspace, ways to declutter their mind, their mental space, ways to declutter even in terms of their interactions with other people. Sometimes there's so much friction and tension between other people. You know how they say you can, you know, you can, you can, cut through the tension with a knife if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So we talk about ways to kind of like take that tension out. So we start with the decluttering process first. And then we talk with about some of those corporate self-care things. And I wish I came up with this idea, but I didn't. But another uh, one of my colleagues came up with this great idea for the folks at Google. So this is an example of a great self-care um, and health and wellness strategy that, that Google uses and or used to use before COVID um, in their break rooms. What they do is they try to make available um, a variety of foods in certain of their break rooms so that all throughout the day, if people are, you know, just on that productive, you know, stroke of genius, they're working in their, their zone of brilliance and they don't want to have to go anywhere to get anything and they want a quick little snack, there are these wonderful, you know, fully stocked break rooms. Well, 
it used to be that the break rooms just had all kinds of stuff that you typically would see in a break room. Maybe someone bought donuts that day. So maybe someone bought muffins or, or granola bars. Maybe someone bought fruit one day. Well, what they do is the snacks that are less healthy for you, like maybe the donuts or, you know, some of the more calorific um, or carb-filled uh, grain bars or other things, um, processed things. Those things are available, but they put them in frosted glass jars or frosted plastic jars. So they're harder to see. The things that are left out in plain view are fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, and other fresh um, either things for making smoothies uh, or, or, or things for, for making a little uh, combo snack on the go, kind of like trail mix, mm-hmm. right? So fresh nuts and things like that. So that's one small example of a way to improve the corporate wellness, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that you're making a, ju- you're not putting a judgment on people that want to come in and get the donut or the muffin, right? They can do mm-hmm. that if they want to. But For the person that's saying, you know what, I really want to resist some of these things that are going to slow me down and make it so that I'm not as productive as I possibly could be, you're making those fresh options more readily available and more readily accessible because we often think with our eyes. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to see those kinds of things and same thing for, for, um, for corporate wellness uh, information, if it's something that's pleasant and pleasing to the eye, then folks are going to be, they're going to have a more positive reaction to it. And they're going to be more willing to, I hate to use the word comply, but they're going to be more willing to experiment Mm -hmm. um, with some of the uh, ideas that you offer them, particularly for the example that I just made about the the self-care, taking the tea. I can't tell you how many places that I've gone to and I've said, okay, you guys need to have breaks and and you have to have three breaks a day. I've seen people just kind of look at me cross-eyed when I say, no, you, you need to have three breaks. You need a 15 minute break in the morning. Like it, this is part of the, the federal workplace guidelines, guys. This is, this is a federal mandate that you're supposed to get 15 hour break for every four hours and a half hour break for every eight hours. Um, and sometimes people don't realize that, but you're entitled to that. Um, and I often go to, to talk with people and they're, they, first of all, it's unheard of for them. Um, second of all, when I say, no, you need to do that, they look at me again, like I've got two heads. Um, I think it's so just have ingrained to- in our society that that's just, you know, we just don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What's some of the feedback that you've gotten with some of these corporate offices that you've been to? Typically the things that I think of is just kind of you understood. I don't want to say common sense, but the, the things that I would expect that most folks would just you know, kind of roll with. I'm always surprised, first of all, with people saying, wow, I never thought of that, or I never thought of it quite that way, or folks saying, I didn't know that that was even a thing. Like the idea of self-care, usually we think self, we automatically think me alone (laughs) or selfish, right? Right. Or Mm -hmm. I have to do this alone. It's the individual. I don't think a lot of times people think of self-care as being a corporate idea, right? It's almost like herd immunity. You're, you're taking care of yourself, but the goal for, for example, taking a vaccine is it, it isn't just for you. And I'm not on either side of the vaccine, take, taking a vaccine or not taking a vaccine. The point I'm making is that the part of the goals of taking a vaccine, whether you choose to do it or not, part of the purposes is so that you can protect the other people that are around you, right. not just you, mm-hmm. right? So it's self-care, but it's also group care communal care, corporate care. Definitely. And I love that. And how have things changed with COVID, with the pandemic in terms of corporate wellness? 
Great question. Most folks are doing virtual right now. Um, I actually had scheduled some speaking sessions uh, scheduled last year for this month and next month. And the, the, the two that I had already um, for, for both January and February have already been moved to virtual mm -hmm. venues. And it's a little bit of a challenge when we're thinking about things like breakout sessions, um, because we want to make sure that everyone is getting the basic feedback, but then having the opportunity to go individually to different areas and breakout rooms. Um, that can be a challenge depending on the corporation and depending on um, the platform that they have, because we usually like to go and utilize whatever resources that program already has. If they already use, you know, whatever video conferencing service that they like to use, we're going to go with that um, to the best of our ability. And, and depending on, on what they've chosen, it can make it a bit difficult, uh, as I said, for things like breakout sessions, just because you want to make sure that everyone's getting the same basic information, but they're also getting that individual information that's going to help, help them um, do their best with what they have, but we're making it work. Yeah. And I think corporate wellness, when it comes to current the current situation with the pandemic, it's challenging just because for many companies who are working from home or many of their um, employees are working from home, everybody just is a little bit disjointed. So everybody's kind of doing their own thing. So um, I imagine that is challenging in its own way. Mm -hmm. Retreats are something, it, it is a challenge. And um Retreats are something that we do, if not annually, offer them uh, for folks, usually entrepreneurs, um, annually. We will do it uh, every other year. Mm -hmm. And this past year, we had a retreat scheduled for April. And we went back and forth about whether to do, because it was right at the cusp. And we, mm -hmm. we were unsure if we should do it in person or virtual. And we did do the retreat virtually. And it turned out wonderfully. We actually did some some sessions with folks that we did all together. And then we, again, kind of had these mini breakout sessions where we were able to have people come back in to work on things that were germane to them. Um, that again, it, it might've benefited the entire group, but we definitely wanted to drill down to make sure that the individual was able to utilize the information that we had. And we've definitely gone some, my philosophy is that we're gonna give the information and we're gonna give the information with, again, the corporation in mind. Mm -hmm. But I have also told folks when we come in, um, one of the things that I will, kind of one of my canned speeches, if you will, when I talk to the, 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 the folks that bring us in, whether it's HR or whoever, it's like, look, at the end of this, we're hoping that everyone is gonna come out being you know, a better employee for you, for your organization, but don't be surprised if there are a couple of people that come up and say, hey, you know what, this really isn't for me. Working here really isn't um, what I think is going to serve me or serve the company the best. And I always encourage them that that is okay. And that's actually what we want. And they kind of usually raise an eyebrow initially mm -hmm. when I say that, but then I go back and I say, really, do you, you, you're developing a culture for your organization. And you want people that are not just the best at what they do, but they're the best at what they do when they're here with you in this organization. And if they can't be at their best and they're not going to enhance the culture of your organization here, then it really is better that they go enhance the culture of, organiza of a different organization. Mm -hmm. um, not that we, we want people to leave in droves, but usually, you know, we have folks who will say, you know what, this really isn't the best fit for me. I think this lateral move over here, and it's not usually them leaving the company. More often than not, it's them leaving to go to a lateral position or to go to a position in a different department. Right. 
Well, I definitely love hearing about different topics that I've never really explored, such as corporate mental wellness. So I do appreciate you coming on and sharing with us about that. So we are running out of time, but I have one last question to ask of you. Earlier on, when I introduced you, I said that you said you believe that there is a cure for cancer of the soul, which I thought that was just such an interesting way of putting it. Can you kind of explain in your own words what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. I had a brilliant uh, professor and supervisor when I was in residency at Mayo Clinic and we were just having a conversation and she just said, you know what, you know, I just hate depression. She's like, I just feel like, you know, isn't it like cancer of the soul? She's like, don't you think of it that way? And I said, you know, what? I've never thought of it that way. And from that moment, I just started exploring that concept. And I think it truly is. And, and I like using that example for two main reasons. One, I think mental health, of course, can sometimes be considered the bastard child of medicine. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, well, you know what, it's not a real specialty or, you know, it's, it's, it's really all above the neck and it's all in your head, quote unquote, and it's not a legitimate concern, but we, you would never, ever think to say that if a person told you they were diagnosed with breast cancer mm -hmm. or pancreatic cancer or ovarian cancer or a brain tumor, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that, right? Mm -hmm. we, we would think that that would be just callous, right? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't do that. So when I say things like, I think of depression or schizophrenia, untreated schizophrenia or bipolar disorder as cancer of the soul, I really do mean that because, you know, we know biologically that if a person doesn't get treatment for bipolar disorder, for example, and continues to have manic episode after manic episode after manic episode, you know, a decade from now, you're going to see that their brain looks very similar to the brain of a person with chronic severe schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. which is not healthy at all. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a continual deterioration that goes on that is very similar to the deterioration that goes on in the cell of a person's body that's been taken over by cancer. So from a physiological perspective, that, that just imagery just really works with me and it works when I'm trying to express to certain people the, the significance of mental illness. The second is that because I believe that we should be thinking about... Um, mental illness in the same way that we think about cancer treatment. We don't, we talk in terms of recovery and remission. And I like the fact that we're starting to shift that language as well for substance use disorders. We don't just call it, um, we don't say that the person is sober necessarily. We'll usually say now that the person is in remission or that right. they're working through recovery. So right. just that, that subtle shift in language, I like using that across the board for all mental illness. I think that's wonderful. And I think I, I love the shift that we have these days, just in recent times, um, you know, shifting more towards health and wellness towards being more acceptable, you know, not as mental health as being a stigma. And I think that will allow more people to get the treatment that they need. Absolutely. Well, Regina, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. I definitely love talking about mental health um, issues as well as just overall health and wellness. And I would love to have you have the opportunity to share how people can reach you if they want to reach out to you. Absolutely. So the easiest way is probably to go to our website, which is www.ledlifellc.com. That's like someone's being led through life. 
and there is a work with me tab. And if you go through that section, um, you'll be able to connect with me or connect with one of the folks that we work with. Um, and definitely social media is an area that we do a lot of teaching. I do a lot of live stream teachings on Periscope and Facebook Live and um, Twitter is coming up with, with something different as Periscope is going away. Clubhouse is another app mm -hmm. that I do a lot of teachings on. So IG, um, folks who, who uh, see me in a variety of social media areas, usually I recommend that they send me a DM, a direct message on Instagram. And I promise I will get back to you. It may take a little while. And what but is your Instagram? I will get back to you. My Instagram is Virginia Isbell MD. Perfect. Thank you so much again for taking your time out to record with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.